paper or leather or digital, go ahead and take it. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. While you're turning there, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my aunt-in-law. Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah. Ken and Marcy Dolliger are here. They longtime missionaries of our church, and uh, and Ken's sister Sue Haddon is here as well. And these are just very very precious people. When I married Joni over thirty, and I mean this sincerely, when I married Joni over thirty years ago, I I got a great package deal. I just really love her family, and they're my family now too. And. Uh, it's just a real joy. I know they're my family because I'm in the will and I've checked it. And, I, and so we're, we're family. <laughs> I, haven't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the will or not. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> Is there anything there, right? <laughs> but we're so glad that you're here. Thanks so much for going out of your way to come and visit your favorite son-in-law. All right, let's go ahead. To, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. All right. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. All right. Can we go back to praise for a few minutes and just... Uh... The year... The year was about 64 A.D. The Apostle Paul was a prisoner in Rome. And Paul does not have much longer to live. Paul had been serving, at this point, Paul had been serving Jesus for about 30 years. We looked at his conversion experience about five weeks ago. A man who was wonderfully transformed from a Christian hunter into a leader of of Christians, uh, a proponent of Jesus Christ, one who committed his life to reaching other people for Jesus. In that time, in those 30 years that Paul had been serving Jesus Christ, he had been traveling on many long journeys. We refer to them as missionary journeys. There were three of them. And then with his journey to Rome as a prisoner, it was his fourth journey. But on every one of those journeys, on those long journeys, he had led other people to faith in Jesus Christ. The book of Acts in your Bibles, that's not where you're turned, but the book of Acts in your Bibles records some of the places where he traveled and many of the people to whom he ministered. And what an adventure. You want to read a good adventure story, read the book of Acts. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you as you read it, and there will be things opening up to you, and you'll go, wow, that is powerful. He goes to one community, and, and, and uh, uh, there are somebody's sick there, and he, he prays for them, and, and then because they come, uh, they're healed, and they come to Christ, then it affects others, and you have this huge ripple effect that takes place in that entire region. 
Or he goes and he prays for someone who is demon-possessed and they're set free from those demons and their life is changed and they go back and they tell their family and they, they tell someone else and before you know it, there's a church that is planted in that area. The book of Acts is a, an adventurous book. But as you read those adventures, as you read through those adventures in the book of Acts, you will find that in all of his travels, Paul never traveled alone. He never traveled alone. We've seen that, right? We, we have seen in these recent weeks, we have seen how he was very committed to being with others on the journey. Paul understood how essential it was to walk the journey with other Christians. He understood it was essential, not optional, but essential. I mean, this guy really got it. Some people never do. Some people think, well, um, this, this serving Jesus is a very personal thing. Uh, it's something that is between him and me, and really other people don't factor in, and they kind of regard our relationship with others to be optional. But when we come into the family of God, when we are saved, when we are absolutely transformed as an act of grace on his part and obedience on ours, when that happens, we are also becoming a part of a family, the family of God. Paul understood how other Christians on his journey would encourage him and support him and pray for him and befriend him. He got it. Paul knew that with other believers beside him, he would travel further and accomplish more than if he traveled the journey alone. I need to say that again. Hear me. Paul understood that with other believers beside him, he would travel further and he would accomplish more than if he traveled the journey alone. And that goes for us as well. So, uh, if you remember, Paul's first traveling companion was a man named Barnabas. We looked at him four weeks ago. Barnabas was actually not his name. His name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas, which means the one who encourages or the son of encouragement. I, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that at the very beginning of Paul's ministry, when he first begins, going, be, begins to go out and take the gospel to the places it had not been before, to, to reach people that had otherwise been unreachable, uh, he puts beside Paul a, someone who encourages. If you're starting something new and you're in God's plan, it's really good to have encouragers around you that will say, keep going, uh, you're, you're doing it, uh, God has a plan, we're in this together. And God put a man named Barnabas beside him. Then there were people like Silas. Remember Silas? We looked at him a couple of, of weeks ago. Silas was that person who, uh, who was beside him in a prison who had also received a whipping on his back, who also had his feet in chains shackled down inside of a prison uh, with really almost no hope of being set free or perhaps even survival. Silas was the guy beside him who had also been arrested, and Silas was the guy who, along with Paul, started singing and praising and praying in the middle of the night. <laughs> 
if, if, if you have been bloodied, if you've been wounded, if you're hurting, if you're in a place of distress, it's really good to have someone beside you who will say, I'll sing with you and I'll pray with you. Some of you have had that. Maybe even more importantly, many of you have been that person. There were other people like Luke and Epaphroditus. Uh, there, there were people like Priscilla and Aquila. We looked at them last week. Priscilla and Aquila, this husband and wife team who really time after time simply opened their house. They weren't people who were, who were used in front of large crowds or people who were used in, 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 in going to far off places and, 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 and doing what Paul had done, but they were someone who opened up their home and befriended and encouraged and someone who was there at the end of a hard day. and We know what that's like, to have someone who will walk that, that journey with us, who will simply be with us. So we've looked at all of these, or some of these, in recent weeks. And here, Paul, a prisoner in Rome, Paul is writing a second letter to a person who was, who was probably, at least in my estimation, one of his closest traveling companions, a man named Timothy. Timothy. Second Timothy, you have it there in front of you. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 read this way. Paul, an apostle, he's referring to himself. Paul, the, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. Now, stop there for a moment. I want you to notice the words that, wrote, that Paul wrote there at the, at the end of verse 2 where he says, to Timothy, my dear son. Now, um, that is a noteworthy term of endearment. If you're writing a letter and in that letter you put pen to paper and you, you call someone your son, or if you're writing to a woman, you call them your daughter, um, and they're not biologically related to you, or by adoption related to you, it really says something. It's a term of endearment. Um, I, have, I have two sons, one daughter, um, and it, it, that, that would have to be a very, very special relationship with someone else for me to call them, you're my son, or you're my daughter. As far as we know, Paul had no children. Paul did not marry. As far as we know, there were no children in the picture. He never mentions them. I think that in all of his writing, he certainly would have if there had been, but he had no children. But Timothy was, would be what, what we would refer to as a spiritual son to Paul. Let me explain. It was somebody that Paul had, uh, perhaps not initially leading him to Christ, because when he first met him, he was already a believer, but Paul was, had such a relationship with him that it's almost as if he brought him up in the faith. We, we refer to that as a spiritual son, somebody that we've had such an influence upon that, that their, their life is changed and we were a big part in that. I, I was talking with someone on a Bible study a few weeks ago, one of, the, uh, one of the wonderful women in our church, and she was relating how the person who had led her to faith in Christ and then discipled her uh, for the first couple of years in her walk, she said, that is my spiritual mother. 
I, I understand what, what she said, but, but I, I want you to understand what Paul is saying here. It's that kind of a relationship. It's very, very, very close. In fact, six different times, six different times, Paul referred to Timothy as a son in the faith. Now, what I don't want this to be is just simply pointing out some history from a long time ago. I have a question for you. In fact, I have several questions for you this morning. The first one is this. Do you have some spiritual children? In the same line, are you a spiritual child of someone else? Is there someone that you look to, someone that you have walked the journey with? Because, by the way, if you're unconnected, if you're not walking the journey with someone, you would never refer to them as your spiritual son or your spiritual father or spiritual daughter or mother. It only comes when we walk the journey with someone that when we take the time to either be under their leadership or to lead them into a closer walk with Christ. It's only through relationship that you will ever call someone a spiritual son or daughter. It's only through relationship, through walking the journey together that you will ever regard someone that's like a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to me. So don't answer it out loud, but I do ask that question. Have you walked the journey with someone so closely that even long after you're gone, they will say they were like a spiritual parent to me? Now, as I've pointed out before, if we're looking at this and we only say, well, no one has been that person to me, we need to get over that and we need to say, I'm going to be that person to someone else. So you can't play the victim here this morning and say, never happened to me. No, it's, it's not what happened to me. It's what I'm going to do with it. So do you have that kind of a, a close enough relationship to where you can be that to someone else? In chapter 1, verse 4, Paul, it's still in front of you there. Uh, Paul continued, he, he wrote this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you. Apparently there had been some tears the last time that they had separated. That's what we can in, infer here. Uh, I, uh, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy and I am reminded, he begins verse 5 with, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Whenever I read the Bible, I, I, notice, I, I tend to notice certain themes. Now, I've read through the Bible many times, many of you have, and it's a very healthy thing to do. I continue to do it. But the more that I read through, the more that I notice themes coming up. And there's a, there's a theme here. Uh, in, in, in that, just those few verses. And the theme would be characterized by the, the word memories, right? Memories. Paul wrote this, I remember you in my prayers. He said, I, or rather he wrote, I recall your tears and I am reminded of your sincere faith. Do you see the memory, the, the factor or the theme of, of memory there? They, they had a shared history. They had shared experiences. At this point, Paul had known Timothy for many years. They had traveled on and off together in many of those cities with strange-sounding names as we read them today. 
Timothy was there with him. They were laboring together. They, they had some shared memories. I, I've, been serving, I've been serving Jesus for over 40 years now. And, and um, uh, almost that long in either full-time ministry or preparation for ministry. And I think I, I, my mind still functions, and I thank God for that. My mind functions well enough that I still have a lot of really good memories of people that I walk the journey with. I really could stand here for hours. I won't, but I could stand here for hours and recount some of the people that I've walked the journey with. People that meant so much to me. People that labored beside me. And whenever you labor beside someone or you do battle, not, not against each other, but with each other, you, you develop a relationship and you have some memories. There are, there are people that, that I, could, I could, in my mind, I, I remember if I, if I see them, and in some cases I haven't seen them for years, but I promise you that if we were to, to reconnect in some way within just a few minutes, we would start recalling some of the adventures that we did together some of the great things that God used us in together. Some of you know that this is the second church that we've pastored. The first church that we pastored was now many years ago in Minnesota. And I, I think of some of the people, I'm just a brand new pastor, never done lead pastor before. And, and I, I just remember some of the people that were so significant then who encouraged me, who walked beside me. We, we did battle, not against each other, but beside each other. And oh, what wonderful memories. The people that I've known here in these many years, the, the, the opportunity to battle beside them and, and, and see great things done in the name of Jesus. There, there's a, there's a, a familiarity, more than that, there's a heart connection that happens when we do life together. I'm talking walk the journey together, not just do life, when we walk the journey together. It's different. It's different when we, when we do God's work together and see great things happen. So here's my question for you. Do you have some shared memories with fellow believers? Well, certainly you have shared memories with other people, you know, friends, people you have coffee with, people that you live beside or work beside. You certainly have some shared memories of that, you know, that person that you were involved in sports with or something back in high school. But I'm talking, do you have shared memories with other believers? If you don't, there's a, there's a problem here because we're supposed to be doing life together. And I encourage you, um, uh, begin walking that journey closely with someone, trusting God for greater things together than you would ever have done alone, and you also will look back in the years to come, should Jesus not yet return, and you will look back and you will say, I remember how God used us together then. Do you have some shared memories with fellow believers? Paul uh, had first met Timothy about 15 years earlier. 15, that's a long time. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says this, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. These are two communities. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. 
So this tells us that Paul was, excuse me, that, that Timothy was already a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul did not lead Timothy to Christ. We don't know that story. Maybe someday when we get to heaven, we'll find out the rest of the story. But someone else had led Timothy to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it was one of his family members. Um, but he was already a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says here that Timothy, Timothy's mother was Jewish, who, uh, who had also come to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, elsewhere we know that also his grandmother was a believer. This tells us here in Acts 16, verses uh, 1 through 3, that his father was not Jewish, and his father probably was not a believer. It says Timothy was well regarded by other Christians. And finally, and I point this out, it, Paul asked Timothy to join him in taking the message of Jesus to the next community. Uh, Timothy's very young at this point. Uh, some, po po some think possibly he was in his late teen years. In fact, he's so young that 15 years later, when he writes 2 Timothy, he talks about don't let anyone despise your youth. So if he was young in 2 Timothy, he was really young 15 years earlier. And so here's this young man, and, but Paul recognizes something in this young man directed, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. He says, Timothy, I recognize something in you that is unique. I recognize there's a there's the hand of God upon you, and I want you to help me and others take the gospel to the next community. Timothy was trustworthy. I, I don't know all of what went into that decision, but there was something about him that he was trustworthy. When he was asked to do something, and we'll see here in a moment, even difficult things, he did them. When he was asked to go to a place he'd never been to, he, he went, he, he was a person who could be trusted. There were other people that traveled with Paul who were not so trustworthy. We won't go into all of that now, but there are two people, particularly one who just cut and, and ran for a time, just left and said, I can't handle the pressure and left. And there was a, another person who traveled with Paul for years and at the end, near the end of Paul's life, that person turned his back even on Jesus Christ. That happened then, it happens today. But Timothy was unique. Timothy was maybe not unique because these other persons were trustworthy as well. But there was such this bond and he recognized him as somebody who could be trusted. In fact, he was so trusted in a different letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica. Paul wrote this, he says, we sent Timothy who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Timothy was a pastor, and he was such a trusted individual by Paul that when Paul says, you know what, we have a problem up there in Thessalonica, I have just the person for you, I'm going to send Timothy. He trusted him that much. In fact, it, it says here that he was trustworthy to the point that he strengthened and encouraged others in the faith. He strengthened and encouraged others in the faith. Um, are you a person that God can trust and that others will trust that can be sent to a difficult place to do a difficult thing? Are the believers that are around you, the people that you're walking the journey with, 
Are you living in such a way that if, if you say you're going to do it, they trust you to do it? Are you, are, you, are you so trustworthy that when a brother or sister in Christ is really going through it and they contact you, they call you up, and it, it, I, I promise you it will probably be at an inconvenient time, are you so connected to someone that you will say, you can trust me? I will do as you say. I will help you out. Timothy was that to Paul. That's, I think, one of the reasons why he says, man, you're, you're like a son to me. Can you be trusted to strengthen and encourage others in the faith? There, there, are, there are people who have claimed faith in Christ who just, it's like wherever they go, they're discouraging. Right? I'm not naming any names and, and I don't know if you're thinking of someone and we're thinking of the same ones, but I, I, I'm just, I, there are people that I have known that when, when you see them, it's just like, I know they, they, they have a faith in Christ, but they're just, ah, they're just discouraging. Or they, instead of strengthening, they just pull strength from you, right? Does anybody else know anyone like that? Okay, see me in the foyer and we'll compare names. Okay, no, 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 we won't do that. But there are people, I don't want to be that guy. I, I don't want to be that person. I want to be that person that when they see me coming, they're going, that person's going to encourage or strengthen. I want you to be that kind of a person who, who can be so trusted to be sent. And this person, hey, would you help me? That person needs encouragement. Now, there's something else uh, about Timothy and that is, he was willing to do difficult things to move the message of Jesus forward. It's very important. Let me repeat that. Uh, Timothy was, was willing to do difficult things to move the message of Jesus forward. Again, Acts chapter 16, um, when Paul asked Timothy to join him, right, to accompany him to the next place, it says then in verse 3, it says this, Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now this takes a bit of explanation. For centuries at this time, for many centuries at this time, God had made it clear that his people, Jewish people, the males were to be circumcised. You can look that up later if you don't know what that is. But they were to be circumcised. It was a, it was a physical indication of, of uh, uh, that this, this person is set apart. Well, now, here's this young man, and Paul's going to be going into places. He's going to go to places that are Greek or Gentile, where there are, they have no understanding of Jehovah God. They don't have the Old Testament, what we call our Old Testament, Jewish Scripture. They didn't have that. And so that wasn't a problem with them, but he also knew that they were going to be going and they were going to be talking to Jewish people. And so, so understanding this, he was part Gentile, Timothy was part Gentile and part uh, Jew. But, but Paul said, uh, for those that we want to reach who are Jewish, I want to do this. That would have been an interesting conversation between Timothy and Paul. But what it says here is that it happened. And when I read that, I'd read that many, many times, but until recently, it really never occurred to me 
the indication of his willingness, Timothy's willingness to do something physically painful and extremely difficult, if that's what it takes to reach more people for Jesus, he was willing to do it. See, that's the point. That's, that's really the message here. If that's what it's going to take to reach those people in the next area, particularly those who have a Jewish background, Paul, if you say that's what we're, then, then let's do it. Let's do it because I want them to be transformed like I've been transformed. You know, in these weeks, I've been, I've been uh, I should be wearing boots because I've really been stepping on toes. Um, but sometimes I'm a little bit bothered by the lack of willingness of people to do what is necessary to get the word out. When it sometimes gets a little bit difficult, when it begins to cost me something in time or resources or effort, suddenly we're not so jazzed up about getting the word to someone. But Paul here is essentially saying this. It's going to be difficult. The next place we go is going to be difficult. And to go there and do what God's called us to do, I'm going to ask you to do a difficult thing. But Timothy said, let's do it. In fact, here in 2 Timothy, this, which was Paul's last letter, the last he wrote many of the, the Holy Spirit through Paul wrote many of the books of the New Testament. This is the last one. 2 Timothy is the last one. Right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul wrote this. Join me, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Notice that word suffering. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Paul wrote, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul wrote, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I want you to notice those words, suffering and hardship and persecution. What was Paul saying? It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Some people aren't going to like what you have to say. Some people are going to oppose you. It's going to be difficult in the extreme but it's going to be great. Join me, Timothy. We're going to see God do some amazing things. And I think of our world today. Folks, if you didn't notice, our world is lost. There are multiple million, only God knows the number of so many people just within even a short distance of our, of our area, people that you know that are absolutely lost. And, 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 and Jesus, Jesus died for them. And he has a plan for them. And, and we are called to take that message of Jesus Christ to the next person and to the next place. And I'm telling you now, it's gonna be difficult what was that last one? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I'm not saying bring it on. I'm excited about it. I'll take the first hit. I'm not saying we should be excited about it. I'm just saying we should expect it. It's going to be hard to do what God has called us to do. To do it together, it's going to be difficult been too many times when I've heard people say, well, I won't forgive that person, or I won't walk the journey with that person, or I don't like that person. Well, that's fine. I'm not going to ask you to go and spend, you know, 
a long missionary journey, walking the journey that close together. But I'll tell you what, we're in this together. And, and if the difficult thing that God's calling you to do is to forgive someone, then just do it. Suffering, hardship, persecution. Again, Paul knew that his time was short. Second Timothy, he writes perhaps one of his best known lines. He, he wrote towards the end of the letter, he says, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the course, and I've kept the faith. That's not something that you do unless you're near the end of your journey, or something you say unless you're near the end of your journey. Um, he said, he, he wrote, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out. That's not something you write unless, you, uh, unless you're near the end. Paul's time was very, very short. But Paul considered Timothy to be a part of an eternal lineage. Paul understood that in his timeline, he was right near the end. But he also knew, and he referred, again, as I mentioned earlier, he referred to this young man named Timothy. He recognized that though his life was near the end, he had influenced someone else for the next generation. We don't know how Timothy died. In fact, we don't even know precisely how Paul died. But uh, I think it's safe to assume that Timothy outlived Paul by many, many years. I don't know where you are on your timeline. I know for me, I have far more years behind me than I have in front of me. It's my desire for me, but it's also my desire for you that you walk so closely with other believers that you influence them in such a way that even when your life ends, the legacy that you placed in someone else will be carried on to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. We sang earlier this morning so that all generations will know your name. Maybe I feel strongly, more strongly about this as the years go by because we're all being regularly reminded of our mortality, right? This, this last 12 months have, I think all of us, I certainly have in even a short period of time lost many, many dear and precious friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, people outside this congregation who just received word a few weeks ago that a dear friend of mine, in some regards a mentor of mine, um, uh, passed away. Uh, are you walking with someone in such a way? Are you so connected with someone that, that if your life were to end, they would look at you and say, I'm serving Jesus in part because of them. Many years ago, probably uh, 35 years ago, I heard this statement. I've since repeated it. It's not original with me, and it probably wasn't original with the person that, that told it to me. But they said, um, in your lifetime, 
you will have you will eat you will be either a Paul or a Timothy. Let me break that out a little bit. In our lifetime, may it be said of us, in our lifetime, we will be Paul to someone and we will be Timothy to someone. I mentioned that there are more years behind me than ahead of me. and I remember some of the Pauls in my life, people that took me under their, uh, their wing and said, walk the journey with me. And boy, uh, they're precious people. Um, many of them have now passed away. About 15 years ago, um, so I would have been in my early 40s then, maybe late 30s, uh, it hit me one day that there are people that look to me as their Paul. That was kind of bothersome to me. I was always used to being someone's Timothy, right? The, the person that someone's pouring into. And then it hit me how, how, wait a minute, those persons are looking at me, to me, the way that I looked at that person. And it was a little bit disturbing. I thought, wow, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Well, it's really not. You just serve Jesus Christ and join someone else with you. And they're going to see the flaws. They're going to see the, the challenges. They're not going to view you as perfect. But you're going to change them through the power of the cross. So I ask you, do you have a Paul or do you have a Timothy? Are there people that you've said, join me on the journey? I want, I want us to walk this, at least for a time, I want us to walk this together. I want us to do life together. I want us to do ministry together. Just a few weeks ago, Barry Saylor shared how, uh, how the, the memorial stones that were taken out of the Jordan River were there to remind successive generations. But it's not just for family members. I don't want it to be said of you simply, oh, I had a great and godly grandfather or grandmother or father or mother. May it be said of you, I had that person who was like a mentor, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother to me. Will you be that person? You'll, you'll be, sometimes at the same time, you'll be a Paul or a Timothy. It's been my prayer for you in these last five weeks, six weeks. It's been my prayer for you through this series that our commitment to each other would grow. And here's where I'm going to say something that may get me into a little bit of trouble, but I'm going to say it. There's a danger in prolonged isolation. I... Um, I'm not faulting anyone. I've been in conversation with people that rightly so uh, because of uh, physical, um, comprom not compromises, uh, because of some, some physical conditions, there's, a, there's a, perhaps a greater risk. And so I, I, I don't question that. I support you in that. But, but there's a, whether there is a virus or there isn't, there's a danger in us isolating ourselves prolonged to where we don't connect together. Because if we, 
if we just do our own thing and we say that the Christian walk is just reading this devotional or my, my devotions times or, or the occasional interaction with someone on the telephone, or if, if that is it indefinitely, we'll never change another life. And the longer that goes, the harder it will be for people to connect and say, I've just been bloodied. I need someone to come and sing beside me. The harder it is to, the further on we go in, in isolation, in one form or another, the harder it is to say, um, I need an encourager. Or I need to be an encouragement to someone else. We were and are called to walk the journey with others. And again, let me say this. We will go farther and we will accomplish more if we travel the journey together. In these very holy moments now, um, I, I believe that the, the Lord has been dealing with some people. Maybe I've said some things that the Holy Spirit has taken and it smarts a little bit or hurts maybe just a little bit, but it makes us to do some self-evaluation. Um, would you then now in this holy moment, whether you're watching us online or you're here in the building, um, would you, would you just bow your heads with me right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to us. There, there are things that perhaps we need to do that we have not done before. Perhaps, Lord, we have held others at arm's length because of maybe some insecurity or some previous wound, but you're the healer and you can heal us. Lord, I pray that we would not simply wait for someone to walk the journey with us. I pray that we will be willing to step out and say, I want to walk the journey with you. And it may feel a little bit uncomfortable, Lord. We know that at first. But whenever you lead me to do something else, it always is difficult at first. But I, I thank you, Lord, that those times that you've led me, I, I was always changed. So this is my prayer for every person listening today. That we would be committed to each other. That we would be strongly committed. That we would be desperately committed to each other. That we will trust each other. That we will pray for each other. That we will sing with each other. That we will walk the journey together. Lord, this is my prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Across this room, would you stand with me? We're, we're going to close our time in prayer, but I want you to know that these altars are open. Um, and I encourage you. Uh, there's going to be a lot of connection happening, and that's good. But uh, some of you may need to come down to this altar area. And no one will bother you down here. Just, just come down and say, Lord, I, I want to trust you for something more. So these altars are open.
Now, Father, I ask your blessing upon my brothers and sisters as they go. Strengthen us, use us together to do more than we could ever do alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. These altars are open.